0: Hello and welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep together in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. My name is Ben Jacobson. I'm one of the pastors at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota. And I am joined today by my colleague, Pastor Stephen Dunkel.
1: Yes, you are.
0: All right. Welcome, Stephen. We're glad to have you here today. This is your first time on the podcast. We're just kind of in the beginning stage of this podcast, and uh, we're working our way through Scripture. Today, we're going to touch on the 16th chapter of Exodus. And so God's people have been released by God from slavery in Egypt, and they are now wandering in the wilderness waiting for God to bring them to the next location on their journey. And and the wandering isn't as simple or as easy as they thought. And one of the things that they struggle with is food. And so they end up eating a substance that God provides for them. It's something that they have never eaten before. What is it? What is it exactly? We will find out what it is as we spend time reading today, but on the line of, of food and things we've never eaten, things we have eaten, adventurous things we've eaten, Stephen, what is the most adventurous thing that you've ever eaten? Python. Let's hear more about that. Python.
1: In college, some buddies of mine went on a mission trip to Uganda. We were working with a missionary in an orphanage there. We would brought enough food along, but it didn't always feel like enough for us as college students.
0: Yeah, it never. Yeah.
1: And uh, so we were squabbling over jars of peanut butter, and it was getting pretty ugly when a python wandered into camp. One of the workers killed it with a shovel, and it was massive. Mm. And so we grilled it, broiled it, boiled it. And I can say that the best was the breaded python.
0: Wow. Breaded, like, uh, like a boneless wing.
1: Like chicken nuggets. <laughs> it tastes like chicken, white meat.
0: Really? That's interesting. Was it concerning to you that a python was just roaming through?
1: You know, I was hungry enough that I was more excited about the meat mm. than afraid Of the python. So
0: how many people can a python feed? We ate it for days. Really? All of us. How many people were there? A dozen. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: It's all meat along that vertebrae. Really? Head to tail.
0: I never would have guessed that. Of course, I've never seen a python. Well, only in zoos. And at that point, I was probably well fed. So, Now, what are the most
1: adventurous things you've eaten?
0: You know, we were sort of talking about this before we uh, started recording, and it, initially, the first thing I thought was spam,
1: which is like level one. That's yeah. pretty tame.
0: Yeah, that's. And then I realized it's actually uh, a dish that my grandpa makes that his mother made for them growing up, and it's called blutkloep. And you can go look that up, but uh, you can't get all the ingredients at the grocery store for that one.
1: So you've eaten Spam, you've eaten Squirrel, but this is above all of these yes, things. Yes,
0: this would be above all that. And it was delicious, by the way. And as as we think about food, you know, it's interesting. So much of food culture comes out of a place of necessity and need and what's there. Um, and some of the, the foods that, that cultures cling to the most and love the most are foods that, maybe don't have the most exciting, best ingredients or the ingredients that are most sought after. Uh, but like your story about the python, it's the food, that legacy food is comes out of the, the food that was there when they needed it the most. Uh, and that's certainly what we're going to find as we look at manna in chapter 16 of Exodus. And Stephen, I'm going to ask, would you read that... Uh, chapter for us? Yes. Wonderful. Thank you.
1: Manna and quail. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them. that you should grumble against us. Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in a cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost appeared on the ground, on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they had measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much. And he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna in front of the testimony that it might be kept. The Israelites ate manna forty years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. And Omer is one-tenth of an ephah. Here ends the reading.
0: Thank you. Thank and I'm you.
1: really glad that they specified at the end that an Omer is one-tenth of an ephah.
0: Yeah, that is a good parenthetical there. And it actually is in parentheses in in the NIV.
1: That's how they translate it. Because if I don't know what an Omer is, am I going to know what an ephah is? Well, maybe they did.
0: <laughs> they must have. Uh, so, so, you know, one of the things that we've done as we've tried to approach Scripture is just simply ask... Two questions. The first is, what do you notice as you're reading? Words, phrases. And then what questions do you have? <laughs> and certainly when you were reading, one of the first questions that popped into my mind is, what is an Omer? Yeah. And then they answered it at the very end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I was met with a new question, which is,
1: what is an EFA?
0: What is an EFA? And what is an EFA?
1: Well, we'll start with, what is an Omer? That's a two liter. So, Mm. I mean, what's your favorite soda?
0: I truly don't like any soda pop. I just have to stick with coffee and water. Uh, But But. the first one that comes into my mind is Surge, because I remember the commercials from when I was a kid. Do they even make Surge anymore? I don't believe they do.
1: But a two liter of Surge, this would be an omer of Surge.
0: Which is a lot of surge.
1: So an E five surge, that would be ten, two liters.
0: That's too much surge. But it's just enough mana.
1: A surge of surge.
0: A surge of surge. It would give you a surge. That's for sure. Uh, questions that come into my mind as I see this or as I hear this text read is uh, right. We're kind of working backwards right now. We started with the Omer. If I go up a few verses from that, uh, they they take some of this manna and they preserve it in a jar. Mm-hmm. And the question I have is, where is that jar Yeah, today? It's got to be, be somewhere.
1: Great new Indiana Jones, right? Indiana Jones and the Lost Manna?
0: Yes. If there are any producers, directors uh, of the the Indiana Jones franchise out there listening to this, which I doubt. You never know. You never know. But... Let's talk. We Our listenership
1: talk. is growing. Is listenership a word?
0: It is. It is when it comes to podcasts. Um, yes, where is that jar? Only Indiana Jones could find it. Uh, what What questions, words, phrases, what things stick out to you, Stephen, as you look at this, read this, hear this text? Well, if we
1: just keep going up, manna.
0: Mm, what is it? What is it? What is it?
1: Which... That's really the question, because the phrase in Hebrew, man, who, can be translated as, what is it? That's how the NIV translates this word. Now, it's not the normal word for what. That's asher in Hebrew. So this is probably an Egyptian word, either the interrogative pronoun, what, the noun, food, or the adjective, special or important.
0: So it's either the question, what is it? It's the, or it's the noun, food. Yep. This is food. This is food. Or it's the word spe- special. This yep. is special.
1: This is something special. So either way, they're like, what is it? Well, this is food, but we're not really sure what. This is something special, but we don't really know what it is. So you put that all together, and it's one of these, why not all three?
0: Sure. And and an, interesting that it would be an Egyptian word, so potentially one they picked up when they were... In Egypt?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Because they were there for quite a while, right?
0: Yeah, you know, 400-some years. That'll do it. You'll probably pick up a few Egyptian words at that point.
1: Man, menu, and all of the many forms of this word, manna.
0: Manna. Hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about what manna is. Uh, You know, a phrase that stuck out to me, verse 7... There's just this beautiful promise that's proclaimed, and it's this. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. Mm. And then it goes on, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Uh, Interesting to think, you know, two things. First, that when we go to bed at night, we can hear that promise of, you know, today maybe wasn't the best day, tomorrow might hold a lot of challenges, but in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord. That's a promise that's proclaimed many other places in Scripture. Mm.
1: His mercy is new every morning.
0: Yes. Great is his faithfulness. Yes, lamentations. Um, but then the second part of that is God's, that promise is a response to our, well, not our in this case, but but to the suffering of of humankind, Uh because he has heard your grumbling against him. Because God has heard your grumblings against your situation in the life. God hears your prayers. And sometimes prayers are grumbling and doesn't even sound like prayers but mm-hmm. or feel like prayers or look like prayers. But God hears us when we cry out. And that's an amazing promise in itself and an important one, I think, for us to receive from this story. Any other thoughts, questions, words, things that, that stood out to you?
1: Yeah, as we're working our way back up this column, verse 4, that word, test.
0: Yes, so God tests the people of Israel. Let's read that. The Verse uh, verse 4 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and to gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So it looks to me like the test is twofold. The first is that they are to go out each morning, and they're to gather up enough bread, enough manna for each day. And then on the sixth day, they're supposed to bring in double and prepare it so that they can rest on the seventh day as God rested in the creation narrative. And I, so I think, you know, that, te- that word test to me is almost a difficult word mm-hmm. because where my mind immediately goes is almost a place of stress. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I go back to the parallel parking test on my driver's exam I did pass by the way I don't do a whole lot of parallel parking anymore but when I have to I can still do it but it always feels like a test when I'm doing it um uh, it takes me to places of like you know you're you're in school and you have a test and and there's stress in that and you prepare for that and the the test basically says are you worthy um and I think about this test and I think it's important to focus on this test in particular when we think about God testing because, yes, we could immediately go to the places where, uh, well, is everything in my life a test from God? Is, is every moment uh, a place where God is, is saying, "Oh, what's he going to do? Is he going to get it right or is he going to get it wrong? I think that that can be dangerous terrain, uh, rocky terrain. Let's look at this test in particular. Do you think when God tests the people of Israel in this way, that he knows how they're going to come out?
1: Well, God knows all things, so he likely knows this thing.
0: (laughs) That's a very, well, good way to put it. God, If God knows all things, he probably knows this one. He knows that the next day they're going to go out and they're going to gather more than they need. They're hungry and they want to have enough, right? Uh, So the test necessarily isn't about for God to see, are they going to do what I say or not?
1: He's training them, right? Because this Mm. pattern of this day of preparation, of storing up what you need in order to have a day of rest, that's something that Israel is going to need, not just in the wilderness, but in the promised land. That's something that we need today. I mean, how often do we go out shopping for more things on Saturday when we haven't taken a day of rest?
0: Yeah, and we probably already have enough Anyway, uh, interesting to think that, yes, training. I like that word, that, that through God's test, the people of God are going to learn to trust in his provision for them. Mm-hmm. That what he has told them is enough, is enough. I probably need to hear that in my own life too. That To know that God provides enough for each day. And I think of that prayer that Jesus taught us, give us this day our daily bread. And bread, of course, in that case, is more than just bread. It's the, the strength, the patience, the faith, the, the perseverance, the hope, the love, the forgiveness, all the things that I need for the day. Uh, do I trust that Jesus provides those? Sometimes. Working on it. We all are. I I hope. Absolutely. Uh, so, So the test is maybe a little bit different than we thought.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Go back to those tests in school, right? And I don't know. Do you still have those nightmares where you showed up to a test unprepared or you showed up to school and you don't know where your classes are? Or I find that a lot of people have these reoccurring dreams all throughout their life.
0: Mine are that I show up on a Sunday morning and I find out that I'm supposed to preach and I'm not prepared.
1: That's real. Yeah. And so these tests, they have great anxiety, but there's this quote from... So we named our son Ambrose after Ambrose of Milan. And at his baptism, he was given this pillow of the 4th century Bishop Ambrose. And on the back, it has a quote from him. And it's really cute. It's kind of like a chibi version, like a cute version of Mm -hmm. this Bishop Ambrose. And on the back it says, Satan tempts that he may ruin. God tests that he may crown.
0: Hmm. That's beautiful.
1: I think so too. And so these tests that the Lord's giving his people, he's a good father. He's not setting them up to fail. He's setting them up to succeed. He's training them for future victories. And so it's not like this test where you, you know, maybe in a nightmare, come in totally unprepared. This is the test that you have prepared for, you've studied for, you're ready for. And now it's time to show your stuff.
0: Mm.
1: Now it's time to be crowned with the victory of the work that you've put in, the reward of the good and faithful servant. Now, of course, God's people, they need a lot more training before they get to that point. But that's the goal of the Lord's testing, right? Is it's to prepare us, not for defeat, but for victory.
0: To raise us up, not to tear us down. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting take. Uh, If I ever run into Ambrose of Milan, I will thank him for that. Uh, But I probably won't see him this week.
1: Hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. Your wife and child would not be pleased
0: no they would not Um, so uh, testing is maybe a little bit different than than I first saw it as I as I read this passage I think about the people of God and I think about them they've they've been delivered from slavery in Egypt and at that time they were longing to be delivered out of the hands of the Pharaoh now they've made it out and they're in the wilderness And everything isn't perfect the way that they imagined that it would be. And so they're complaining, they're whining, they're they're saying to Moses and Aaron, we wish we would have just died in Egypt because at least we had good things to eat there. And it's there in the depths of their sorrow, in the depths of this place where they, they almost want to turn their back on God, that instead of turning his back to them, God comes near to them closer to them listens to them hears them and is faithful to them and provides for them and what does he provide he provides this little white substance that's on the ground in the morning manna uh what is it we don't know uh but god provides to them in spite of their complaining and grumbling and almost because of it so the faithfulness of god is very different and the faithfulness of people.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, what is it, just a few chapters ago, that they have one of my favorite complaints in all of Scripture. Were there no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die?
0: Yeah. What a poetic way to whine. It's so
1: melodramatic. (laughs) Were there no graves in Egypt?
0: (laughs) But God is faithful to them in spite of all of that. Uh, and provides for them each and every day. And I think the other thing that that sticks out to me as I, I read this passage is, is this concept of Sabbath. Now, we haven't received the commandments yet. Uh, we haven't received the commandment, remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Uh, we're not there yet, right? But we have seen the pattern of Sabbath. Uh, God did it himself, and he now is, is teaching, training, to use that word that you used, training the people of God to practice Sabbath even in the wilderness. And I think it's interesting that God does this, and I think I probably needed to hear this and see this and read this, because to me, and maybe to our culture, Sabbath rest, rest in general, is something that happens once you've accomplished what you need to accomplish, once you've arrived where you need to arrive, once the stuff that needs to be done is done, then you stop. That's not what's happening here. They're not at their ultimate destination, but they're taking a rest along the way in the presence of God. What an interesting holy thing to have that holy stop even in even when it's not all completed. I don't know what to say about that. I, I, I think I probably need to learn to do that myself. Do you do you feel like you're patterning your life around a Sabbath, or is that something you've struggled with or I know I have struggled with that?
1: I have this great desire to not refer to Friday as Friday but refer to it as the day of preparation. Hmm. Not out in public, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm some strange person, which Mm -hmm. I am, but but in my own notes, in my own Mm -hmm. planning for the week. And to treat that day as the day in which I store up everything I need to finish the housework that I need, to run the errands that I need so that I can set aside Saturday as this day of rest. And so I think... You know, is Saturday the day that I make the Rice Krispie treats or is it the day that I eat them Mm. because I've made them on the day of preparation?
0: Mm. Yeah. So you can't have one without the other. You can't have a Sabbath without a day of preparation Mm -hmm. so that you can make the Sabbath happen.
1: Rest follows work. Yeah. That's what we see in the creation narrative.
0: I think we all want Sabbath in our hearts. It's our heart's desire to have it but maybe the day of preparation is the thing we need to learn about more. That's great. Um, I think of the the fact that all of Scripture points to Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us. And it's interesting, Jesus references this time in the wilderness. If, if we're to turn in our Bibles to John's Gospel, to the 6th chapter. And starting at the 49th verse, Jesus says, actually I'll start at the 48th verse. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And here again, in Jesus, we see in the depths of our despair, sin, hurt, wilderness wandering that happens in our life, God provides a bread that comes down from heaven that nourishes not just our stomachs, but our souls and the pieces of us that need forgiveness in life. And what is it? What is that bread of heaven? Maybe the better question is, who is it? Mm. Jesus. Jesus who who provides all of those things for us. And as we, we talked about this before, you and I, Stephen, you had mentioned just the sacramental quality of Jesus' words.
1: Absolutely. As we look at Uh, manna, and what is it? There's this story, it's a bit humorous, of uh, 1950, and Israel had just become a modern state, and these Jews were emigrating from Yemen, these Mm -hmm. desert dwellers, and uh, moving into the deserts of uh, these regions in this um, now-formed state of Israel, and this was the coldest winter on record. It snowed not only in the deserts, but even at the Dead Sea, the lowest point of elevation Mm. in the world. And they'd never seen snow before. Mm. So they look out in the morning and they see all of this white. And they're convinced God has sent us manna from heaven. They start collecting and eating all of the snow. And I think back to God providing the python for me at the orphanage or God providing the quail. Uh, for Egypt. But more than all of that, God has provided himself, the body of Christ as food for the soul. And so as we reflect on all of these themes, on testing, on Sabbath, we reflect on a God who is our provider and who ultimately gave us the provision of himself, On the cross of Calvary.
0: So we won't wake up in the morning and look out and see manna scattered on the ground but there is manna for us every day and that's in the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus. It's amazing to me how um, when we take time when we open God's Word when we read it when we slow down we do everything in life fast I think at this this point in our history Uh, but when we slow down God speaks and I'm grateful for our conversation today. Grateful for all of our listeners out there. Uh, remember to, to like, to share, to subscribe, to give us a rating. Um, and we hope to have you back next week as we continue this podcast. And we ask and hope that you would remain deeply rooted. Thanks, everyone.